Hi, and welcome to the We Should Be in the Kitchen podcast, a podcast where my friend Liz and I talk about all of the things we usually talk about at our weekly Sunday lunch. These topics vary from the hilarity of day-to-day life to theology, from how adorable our dogs are to the nuances of faith and life in this interesting cultural moment, all from the perspective of two women working in ministry. We might not get to share a meal with you, but you're always invited to this table. On today's episode, we're talking about an introduction to joy with Rob Bell. We're talking about taking communion, how Liz is finally catching up with a good place, and a whole lot of other things. And so as always, we're excited to have these conversations with you. So pull up a seat. Nailed it. That was a long time. It took us a <clears throat> good couple tries there to get that intro down. I know. I can't I stop laughing. Liz, um, on one of these takes... Almost fell back in her chair and caught herself, and I couldn't recover. I have a problem with, like, reclining chairs. I don't trust them. So, <laughs> But you always sit in that chair instead well, of, like... there's no other chair in here. We're in your office. Yeah, but you could get, a, like, a chair from the other room. Yeah. But this, this is more entertaining for me, to be honest. It's just one of those things where I, like, sit in chairs. Even my office chair reclines a little bit. But at some point, I panic and, like, feel like I'm going to fall, and I jerk a little bit you caught yourself but you also like weirdly caught your hair and it was just (laughs) such a good moment I was so happy a little bit clumsy so what's up Liz tell me about your week my week has been a week I mean it's just been a lot of work um paperwork and stuff we're trying to launch these distance learning centers since kids in Lodi aren't um gonna be back in school they're doing school purely online so it was just waiting through a lot of CDC codes and all their protocol and kind of making it more user-friendly, trying to get every paperwork, every form done so that way any church or any organization could really use this, make it their own, you know, just kind of did the legwork for all of that. So it finally launched today. Yay, and you had a little glitch. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we going to talk about that? We can. What was the glitch? When volunteers fill out oh, this yeah. form. So there's a form online. This is like a secret, though. I don't know. It's kind of fun, though. No, it's fun. You should share so, it. So there's a website, and people sign up for um, what site they want to they want to volunteer with um, and what days of the week they can volunteer. Um, and anyway, so it looks normal on this form, but when we get the completed copy, like we get a, val- uh, a verification that someone had done it, instead of saying, what days of the week can you volunteer, it, asks, or it says, pizza topping preferences and it's just like the days of the week, but something in there like glitched in this form. So it doesn't show that on the website, but whenever I get a verification, that's what it says. And it makes me very happy. Yeah, you sent it to me and I actually <laughs> laughed out loud. That was a real LOL, not like my normal <laughs> fake. Haha, <laughs> LOL. But I didn't really laugh. I laughed. Um, our administrator wanted to change it. And I said, no one is going to see this except for you and I. We have to keep it. Well, how it would just, you even change it? I, th- I have no idea. I don't even know. I don't even know how that happened. I, mean, I don't do anything on the website. Yeah. And it's not a big deal, and it's funny. Technology is a trip. We did a whole podcast last week with Michelle and Jenny. Yeah, um, we about thought parenting in a pandemic, and it looked like it was working. Yeah, and then it didn't. It picked us up, but not Jenny because she was zooming in. Uh, so that's sort of a bummer. But we'll have to have them on again because they said some really cool, meaningful yeah things, and they both have had interesting. COVID stories just like oh in their families and stuff so it was it was just good to hear that you know I think a lot of people are like oh it's a fake thing or the media is making too much of it and maybe it's a little I mean I don't think it's fake but 
they've had just experiences with that. And so hearing that which has just been, you know, it's a real thing. Things happen in, in families and all over. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's closer to home than I think we all kind of realize. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm knowing more for more and more like firsthand people who are being diagnosed with COVID. Um, yeah. And have that. I'm still trying to be careful. I need to go to Target. <laughs> I just have some gift stuff that I need to buy. Like, I kind of thought everyone's birthdays were canceled. Apparently, people still celebrate. Things. I know. I don't understand celebrating birthdays because you know how I am. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone except for Nessie, Michelle, and I has had birthdays during this time. Yeah. During shutdown, and we have celebrated almost every single one of them. Right. And so I have some birthday gifts and a couple of other occasions I have to buy for. Um, but it was weird. I got anxious thinking about having to go to Target. <laughs> Not even COVID-wise as much as, like, introvert. Oh, no. I've been not peopling for, like, four months, and now I have to people. Yeah. Like, what if I see someone in Target that I know? That's always my nightmare. Um, <laughs> that's mean. Okay. But sometimes I see people that I know from a distance, but I don't really want to talk. And so I, like, stalk them from far away to make sure we don't run into each other. <laughs> I know you think I'm a bad person, but you would do it, too. I I'm, I do that. <laughs> Sometimes it's you. But Sometimes you, I see you in Target and I go, I don't really want to talk to Liz today. It's not me. Whatever. I know. You are, you'd be more curious as to what's in my cart. It's true. I, I have no I, idea what you It's buy. so funny because a lot of times people see me either at Target or at Costco. And if they don't really know what I do with working with kids and, you know, I buy things in bulk to stock these after school programs and that will be these distance learning things. It's anywhere from like my personal like shampoo and soap. And all the pool noodles, you know, or a <laughs> snack for two weeks, and it takes me two carts, you know, to yeah, Costco. Like, why, why does this chick have <laughs> right. seven gallons of lemonade and, you know, four tubs of gummy bears? <laughs> but then also has, you know, a shirt. That's because she has 50 children. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's always funny to run into people when I'm buying, like, summer buying or doing kind of the big shopping for the But week. when you run into people, they totally look in your cart. Oh, Totally. There are things I've bought from Target, and I'm, like, covering them up with other things, because I'm just like, eh, do I really want, like, my friend's husband to see that? Probably not. Don't give me that look. You know exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. It's it's very awkward. I normally don't really go to Target unless I'm buying gifts for people, though. Why? I, I just don't. Like, do you drive up? I haven't used the Target drive up yet. No. But I hear it's I pretty legit. That. Yeah. Yeah. I should do that. But, like, when I'm buying, I don't always know what I'm getting. If it's, like, a gift, and so I have oh. to, like, go look. I just feel like Target's a good. Mm-hmm. I really, really like giving gifts, like, a lot. But like, I really hate getting them. I know you do. <laughs> it's so weird. And you hate it when people sing on your birthday. Oh, gosh, no. And last year it. for your birthday, we went and had pizza, and we all sang <laughs> for you. Can you believe that was almost a year ago? That feels like a lifetime ago. I'm it not going to lie. It feels like yesterday to me. Really? That's because I don't want it to happen again. <laughs> but I did let... You guys sing happy birthday to me only because we had two two-year-olds at the table who were incessant. Very excited to sing yes. happy birthday. And then the one picture I got of your cake in the background, Nessie's totally picking her nose. <laughs> I love it. I, we got this giant cake. Oh, it was delicious. It was very good. But it's the biggest cake I've ever had yeah. in my life. Um, other, other news. Next week is my last week at our church conference working as so an assistant sad. and I'm super You've bummed. You've loved doing that. Speaking of cakes, I really want to figure out a way to send all of my coworkers a cake that, say, that says, I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> so 
you might know the story here. I don't know if you do, but I quit our church community group um, because I have this writing project going on. And I did it using a cake that said, I'm sorry for your loss. But I had to go to the bakery to get it. And she was like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm just quitting something. And she was like, this is the best <laughs> cake I've ever made. But I don't know if I can pull it off. We're all distance. Yeah. Um, office. And they kind of live up near Sacramento, some of them. They kind of live all over, right? Yeah. I, I, mean, I could maybe send, like, sympathy cards. <laughs> <laughs> That would kind of be like, fun. Not to open <laughs> until my last day. Yeah. That might be a good, like a $5 Starbucks card. Sure. Well, they should send you $5 Starbucks cards. I don't like gifts, though, so that's I weird. Know. That would be awkward. You, yeah. We were, like, not allowed to get you gifts for your birthday, but you I think we all did. still got me <laughs> gifts. There's no... It doesn't matter how many boundaries I put and say, hey, I don't really want to do much. This year, though... We're taking a friend's camping trip. Yes. But it's not really my birthday weekend. It's like weekends away because everything got changed. Because everything's closed. Right. And who knows if this will even happen. But I'm super excited. Um, it's going to be you and your brother and sister-in-law and my friend Jenny and... And their kids. Their kids. A few other people. I think it's going to be a fun time up at Pinecrest. Um, we've never done like a big friend trip. I know. Oh, and Catherine oh, and yeah. Robert. Yeah, we've never done like a we big. We have Catherine on this. We keep, we've know. said that a couple times. She Catherine, needs to come and next. talk to the about the enneagram. Yeah, we talked a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think we could go. We talked a little bit it. with Olivia. Yeah. Um, gosh, that was a while ago. Yeah, that was in January. I think it was before that. I think she was home for Christmas. Huh. I know. <laughs> or Thanksgiving. <laughs> it could have been then. It was a while ago then. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Catherine just loves the enneagram, and it's. And she's a five. Yeah. So she doesn't just love the Enneagram, but she knows all the things about the Enneagram, (laughs) too. So she's a five-wing six, and I'm a six-wing five. And so we, like, mirror each other. So in our last staff meeting, we were talking about an event we have coming up, and it's similar to the one that kind of my branch of the organization did. And we were talking about contingency plans, and it was, like, through the parking lot. You know, like, what would you do if you had this? And... (laughs) I was like, oh, I had a plan for that. And Catherine just looked at me and went, you're such a six with all your backup plans. And I was like, <laughs> you're not you supposed to say that, but it's true. Sometimes you just have to like call it out. Yeah. So I was at the beach with my dog Friday. Yes. <laughs> and it was funny because, you know, everyone's wearing, there weren't very many people. We go to Bean Hollow State Beach in Half Moon Bay. It's dog friendly. You're really supposed to keep your dog on a leash, but River loves to swim. And of course, his name is River. Um, and so there's no way to keep him on a leash. And he's friendly with other dogs and people. But he literally goes around to every single person, every single dog <laughs> on the beach. And is like, hi. I swear he, like, introduced himself. It was the funniest thing. But I was like, oh, you are, you are a two. <laughs> I mean, I'm a two. Wing one. But I feel like my one wing is pretty strong. Like, the perfectionistic whatever part can be pretty pretty strong but I'm a more introverted too Mm. and so I'm not yeah I was like I got the wrong dog he wants to talk to everyone and I'm like I just want to be alone and not talk to strangers today (laughs) but there was a guy I was trying to climb up these rocks and this guy like starts to talk to me and I was like oh no like (laughs) it's always so awkward um and he was like you know um it's not safe to wear those shoes or something um 
you know, your safety's more important than fashion. And I realized I was wearing my rainbows. Oh. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. I'm very California. I couldn't help it. <laughs> so I was risking death in order to climb up these slippery rocks. But it worked out. I didn't die. Okay, so I have a question. Yeah. Relating to your, I'm so Californian or whatever you just said. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard someone from California call it Cali? No. I That was my, like, I think. Yeah, people from California don't call it Cali, but people from other states or other places yeah. call it Cali, like it's normal. Or the, the bay, the city. They call San Francisco the city. I sometimes say that, like, oh, we're going to go to the city. Yeah. But not very often, otherwise I say San Francisco. Yeah, I say the bay. The bay. Um, someone, I was talking to somebody today about Fresno, and I talked about how, like, we call it the no, <laughs> or the armpit of California. Or Fres, yes. I've never heard that. <laughs> is maybe <laughs> um what's the other thing um hella is the word yeah i say hecka, hecka. Try to be. that's hecka funny i don't realize how stereotypical i am until <laughs> i talk to somebody yeah that isn't from here so i was oh i was on the phone with someone from colorado um doing a reference for a friend of mine and i never don't realize how californian i sound except she asked me a question and i went oh totally <laughs> i went oh my gosh <laughs> I am like the stereotypical Californian on the phone right now. <laughs> I say all of that. I say like a lot. Mm-hmm. I say like totally a lot. Yeah. Um, what's the other thing that I say? Right now I'm on this. Oh, that's so legit. Legit. That's really yeah. legit. <laughs> um, yeah. There, there are just so many little things that I, I catch more and more that are very yeah. much California of me. <laughs> But I mean, the only thing that we don't do is surf. And other than that, we're basically... I do boogie like board, this, though. the stereotypical Californian. I boogie board. That's so fun. But the first time I ever took Matt boogie boarding, um, he had never been. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to teach you. And he's really afraid of, like, swimming in the ocean. Didn't really want to do it, but then was Michelle like... Michelle is, too. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Like, things live there. Like, things live in the water. So I, I totally understand. Nessie but, totally loves the ocean. Like, if... We hadn't held her back. I think she would have just, like, run. Been she does, like, the sea. Re- she does realize, like, oh, it's dangerous. Because I, <laughs> when we were at, when we were in Morro Bay, she, we were walking out, and then the waves just kind of hit our legs. And one of them kind of swept her, but I was holding on to her, and she kind of went, <gasps> like, panicked a little mm-hmm. bit, and then kind of wanted to go back in, but she was a little bit more cautious about yeah. seeing how high they were. Sorry I interrupted your no, story. No, you're fine. That. That's a great story. <laughs> um... Matt's thing, I think, was more that he had never swam in the ocean before. Mm. And so he was nervous about the waves. Of course, he loved it. Once you're in there and you realize, like, we were at the boardwalk. So in okay. Santa Cruz, yeah. the waves are not. They're <laughs> I like, don't know that they're really waves. They're just kind of like ripples. Currents of some <laughs> yeah. sort. Um, yeah. And so he was he was nervous. And I was so excited about it. And so we caught a few waves and it was really awesome. But we sort of started to drift off to one side. Mm-hmm. And we both caught a wave and I was so excited. But the part of the beach that it, like, <laughs> spit us back up on was full of broken shells. Oh, no. And the tops of our legs were just, like, bleeding oh. everywhere. He yeah. had giant cuts. He was like, why did I let you take <laughs> me on this trip? And he will not do it again. Uh-huh. I know. And that was... Gosh, years and years ago. I do miss Southern California beaches, though, because they're warmer. Yeah. And so um, when we were in Morro Bay, one of the mornings, I was reading a book that we're reading for work, 
and it was just like, oh, this reminds me of college when I would like drive to the beach and do like yeah. my reading one day and totally be late to class and everything. There's and but the beach was warm and and everything and yeah, the water was nice. Half Moon Bay was not warm. It was sixty two yeah. degrees. That's pretty much my northern california beach experiences it's cloudy yeah it's kind of cold but you can't really just wear a tank top because you'll get really sunburnt even right. though it's cold the water's kind of cold it's fun but you just kind of have to get through the cold part santa cruz gets warm yeah like it'll get 80 degrees especially like october mm-hmm. that's sort of when santa cruz heats up but it's weird because it's what an hour from half moon bay to santa cruz yeah and so yesterday it was 62 or friday it was 62 in half moon bay and it was 75 mm-hmm. in santa cruz and so the weather was much nicer but the fog started rolling it got cold yeah i was freezing yeah i mean we went to morro bay the weather was perfect it was like 75 on the beach that's so nice and it was nice but you know the wind would kick up and be like oh i'm chilly and the, but the water was cold it was really fun. This is so California, this I conversation, know. too. We're like, oh, my gosh, our beach experiences. <laughs> what kind of celebrities have you met? <laughs> Do you know any movie stars? <laughs> it's just yeah. how it goes. What else is going on, Liz? Um, what books are you reading? I was going to ask. Oh, so I so it's funny. During this time, I was really into reading right at the beginning, and then I just hit a slump. It's been really hard for me to, like, kick back into that reading mode. Um. I did, however, decide, maybe this is part nerdy of me, um, to start reading. I've never read the Lord of the Rings trilogy or The Hobbit. I think I read The Hobbit in seventh grade, and I didn't actually read it. (laughs) I, like, spark noted it. That's actually really surprising to me. Yeah, and so I started reading The Hobbit last night, and it was really good, and I thought, this is a really good book. Wow. So um, hopefully I get through that. And you're reading something that isn't, like, ministry-related. Yeah. It's kind of good. I mean, I like the books that we're reading. For um, work, we're reading a book. We just finished Compassion, which you love. I love. Which is an Henri Nouwen book. Yeah. It's one of those that I think I read every year. Which is, and it's throughout it's the literally year. always on my bedside table, and I just... It's one that it. I reference regularly. Yeah. Just kind of go back through. Um, and then we're reading a, a book called Microchurches by Brian Sanders, oh, which yeah. is also very, very good. Yeah. Brian Sanders is great. Yeah. I mean, he has so many powerful things to say about the church. <laughs> He's a little bit angry sometimes. Yeah. I mean, but angst yeah. makes the world go around. Yeah. So, um. direct quote. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you? What are you reading? So, I am reading this book, Recovering from Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, um, by Amy Bird. I've actually read it all the way through, and now I'm going back. That's that's sort of what I tend to do is I read it, because I read really fast. Mm-hmm. Um but then sometimes I feel like I miss things, and so I'll go back sort of slowly um, and go through it. I'm also reading this book called Never Home Alone by Rob Dunn, and okay. it's basically just about all of the, like, little microorganisms and stuff that, like, mm-hmm. live in your house, like, like that live around you and how big, like, I know. I don't know that I would like that book. No, it's... That might make me anxious. Thinking have... about it just, like... Okay, maybe it's a little different in your situation, but... <laughs> Yeah. No, it's, it's just sort of this... Um, my hand is sweaty thinking about it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's a little fascinating, like, this idea that, that there are all of these little worlds kind of going on around you. Um, okay. Like Horton Hears a Who? Yeah, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. But I'm always reading something. I'm also reading um, another book by Michael Ware, um, Chris Butler, and I can't remember the third author. Now I feel bad. Um, but it's basically about like using your vote, um, 
to create change. Mm-hmm. It's called Compassion and Conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's short, but it's kind of heavy, and I want to yeah. give it um, the time that it deserves. Um, Justin Gibney is the other okay. one. Um, yeah, it's really, really good. I really like Michael Ware. He worked for the Obama campaign. He was um, in charge of, like, the Faith Committee. And he was young, like 24, yeah. and in charge of this giant, um, oh, like, like like the religious faith initiatives or whatever for the White House um, while Barack Obama was president. And so I read another one of his books and I've just followed his stuff and just find um, the way that he engages with the political system in relation to um, religious, specifically Christian function is really admirable and... He tries to exercise a very strong ethic um, within that. And so it's been really cool to sort of follow his stuff. One thing that we did not talk about last time, or even on our fake podcast with Michelle and Jenny that didn't actually get recorded, is Rob Bell just released um, Introduction to Joy oh my goodness. on YouTube. And that is one that you and I went and saw in Sacramento. Yeah. Um, that's not the one they recorded. Uh, but it was still just so good to rewatch that. And, you know, it's a little over an hour, but... Totally worth your time. Yeah. His whole premise is basically that you can't really experience the fullness of joy until you've allowed yourself to see like how dark and hard the world can be. Right. And so a lot of us, and, and I can be tempted to, to both sides, like both extremes of this, but, um, you know, this idea that in order to maintain my joy, I can't engage with the dark, sad parts of the world because that will somehow put that joy in jeopardy. Like I won't be able to experience joy Mm -hmm. as long as I know that that really hard thing is going on. Uh, (laughs) That was a very weird chair squeak. (laughs) sounded like a person talking. Um, And so the premise of an introduction to joy is like, you know, that cynicism is actually exceedingly lazy because it's worse than that. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. <laughs> um, and it feels really dark and heavy. But when we went to see it, we went saw it, what, late last year? November, maybe? October, November? I think it was November. It yeah. was raining. I remember that. It was and raining. So it must have been, like, late November, maybe early December, even. Yeah. Um, I really needed it. Like, I remember that you, like, texted me, like, a week before, like, we're going to go see this. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, we so, went and saw Rob Bell in San Francisco. That's a story. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, two years ago, That I was guess. one of the first times you and I hung out, like, for a long period of time. Yeah, we actually, like, took a trip out of town. And we got lost. It's your fault. It's Liz had us walk around the same block, like, three times. <laughs> I was following the map on my phone, and we were totally in the wrong part of town. It was so great. Um... But so you had some frame of reference um, for him. Oh yeah, I was. I like Rob Bell. Yeah. Um, we've talked about this before. Velvet Elvis. I read that when I was in high school, and that was one of the books that really changed my view on Christianity. Yeah. The quote that he says: "It's like all my life I've been told to believe in Jesus, but what I'm understanding is that Jesus believes in mm-hmm. me." Yeah. Like that's just that change of like. Yeah, I, I do trust Jesus, and I do put my faith in him. But at the same time, Jesus is cheering for me. He's, like, rooting for me to yeah. to do things and, you know, is is right there with me the whole time. It just really changed just my view on that. So well, He was really popular in the Christian sphere um, with his NUMA videos. Yeah. So in the early 2000s, I was late high school, early college. Um, 
he came out and he was like the new big hip thing. And that's sort of when the emergent church movement yeah. started. Um, that was when um, like postmodernism yeah. was, was really starting. Yeah. Um, it was a whole thing. And then he wrote this book <laughs> about hell and yeah. basically fell out of grace with evangelicals, which makes me really sad. Um, you and I were texting earlier a little bit about this, but you know, people throw around the word heretic a lot. Um, Whenever they want to denounce something that they don't agree with. Right. Um, but even in, oh my gosh, Love Wins is the name of the book. Yeah. But even in that book, you know, people were writing bad reviews about it before it ever came out and before they ever read mm-hmm. it. Because this idea of questioning hell is... No it, one does that. Right. It's black we, and white. It's here. We know? can't ask those questions. Right. Um, and so we live in a very weird time where I feel like it used to be that we could ask deep theological questions and sort of as long as we come to the right conclusions, right. meaning the conclusions we're sort of told we should come to, um, then it's okay. But now if you ask the question... Yeah. It seems so threatening to the faith, and that's always sat wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like not only is God big enough for our questions, but I think that we rob ourselves of the mystery of the faith when we're too afraid to go down the rabbit holes. Or when we're too afraid to leave the little box that we have built for ourselves, you know? <laughs> or that has or that been, been built, built for us. us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, how, how often I've talked to you and Johnny, another friend, all this week about, um, like, Christian apologetics Mm. and how sometimes that is a – it makes you feel like the theological world is your oyster and you can ask all of these questions and draw these conclusions and that you're always going to make it back to God, right? But really, there are so many – constructs built around that if you come to a conclusion that isn't the right conclusion then you've done the work wrong so it's really not individual thought um it really ends up being like you can color with whatever color you want as long as you stay in the lines right or as long as you don't go too wild right and i sort of feel like rob bell has very much been a victim of that now i say that um as someone who doesn't agree with all of rob bell's theology but i don't agree with a lot of people's theology. I don't agree with all of Rick Warren's theology. I don't agree with a lot of, or all of Louis Giglio's, you know, theology. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really fit neatly into a box, but I don't call those people heretics just because there are things that I don't agree with. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's been interesting. But um, I always go and see Rob Bell when he's in town because it's one of the only times I feel like I get really stretched well, yeah, even, you know, after that, we went to dinner, and we were talking about it, and we said, well, these are maybe things that I don't totally agree with, but overall, what a good time of just critically thinking, you know, mm-hmm. sorting through stuff that I've learned or read or that I believe and going, mm, maybe he, maybe that's a good point of view to, to you yeah. know, just to file away or, you know, just remember these things, and um, yeah, I enjoy it whenever we go see him. Yeah, I just don't want to be afraid of the dark. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like... And we've talked about this a million times. I could talk about it all day. But that there's almost this expectation that because we believe that God is good, that that means that we have to be positive and happy and 
great all the time. Right. And what that ends up doing is isolating us, isolating our pain, feeling like we have to hide it because we're somehow failing in our faith. And I know for me, like last late August was a really dark time for me. I was physically not well. Um, I was just starting to like get sick, didn't know that I had this anemia thing, just felt awful all the time. Had gone through some hard work stuff, hard relational stuff, um, and just really felt like I didn't have anyone I could talk to about it Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't want to be negative or a Debbie Downer or any of the things. And so I was holding it in and holding it in. And I remember like one night being up in the middle of the night and not being able to sleep and feeling like exceedingly hopeless and I think I even told you at one point like I just want to let you know like I'm not feeling great I think you I think maybe I had said something like are you okay you know and um because I had noticed some of the you know drawing away from things or yeah um or whatever and you just I think you texted me back and were like I'm not doing I'm not doing okay and I was like okay well I'm here you know I don't know what I can do for you but I'm here there's always a fear though uh, like for me of telling people like how bad I'm feeling emotionally yeah. because I don't want them to worry. Right. I don't want them to feel like they have to, I, I don't really like sharing my burdens with people. Mm. That's always been a thing for me is I feel like I don't want people to stress that I'm not well or think that I'm going to like do something to myself or, you know, there's, right. there's always that like tension. I may have asked you that too. I was like, are, are you okay? Are you like, okay though? Like, yeah. I know you're not doing well, but you know. Yeah. You're not, like, standing on the edge of a bridge. <laughs> right. A little bit, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and it's so hard because I've had so many experiences where I've tried to be honest about those things, and it has not gone well. And so it makes you sort of have to retreat back into yourself and honestly just depend on God. But churches should be the yeah safe place. Fellow Christians should be the safe place to be incredibly honest about how dark things are. And so, you know, that, that like the idea that, you know, allowing ourselves to go into the dark places and knowing that when we experience joy and we know how bad things can get, that that makes our joy more full. Yeah. Was incredibly encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. His stuff is, if you have time, it's called introduction to joy. Yeah. You can find it on YouTube. On YouTube. Or on, you know, if you follow him on Facebook, he has a link on there, too. Um, Totally worth your time. Worth an hour and about an hour and a half. Yeah, I think Um, so. But it's really good. And he has a book coming out in September, which I'm sure we're both going to read. Everything is Spiritual. Which he actually did a tour of Everything is Spiritual that I saw. Okay. Maybe six or seven years ago. And so I'm interested in the book. I don't know if it'll be different, but it was really good. Yeah. Um, So I think it'll be a good time. That got really heavy. (laughs) Maybe that's really what we talk about this that's this okay. Podcast. I'm That's right. Talking about real life. We could also talk about <laughs> something that you have brought up multiple times in this podcast. I know. Not in today's episode, but in multiple other episodes. The Good Place, which <gasps> I finally broke down and started watching. I will not tell you or spill any beans. Okay, but I feel like but people it, had enough time to see this. Except until... they haven't. I'm only like halfway through. That's embarrassing to say because I started yesterday. I have to find your text <laughs> to me, though, because it was so funny. You texted me, and you're like, oh, yes, I'm watching The Good Place. So if you don't know, I love The Good Place. Yeah. When it very first came out, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be so good. And everyone's like, no, it's going to be I will admit, the premise awful. looked dumb. 
Right. Well, but it had a lot of like my favorite people that I really like. I like Ted Danson. You know, right. I like Kristen Kristen Bell, um, and a lot of the like supporting cast are from shows that I love. Right. So. I don't know, but the the idea of the show sounded dumb. But then I started watching it, and my opinions have changed. Yes, it is so good. So if you haven't seen The Good Place, you need to see it. But I get this text from Liz yesterday, and she was like, oh, so I'm watching The Good Place. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited, right? And then she goes, what? The Good Place just took a turn. I'll <laughs> yeah. leave it at that. But I had been waiting some- for you to know that there is a – huge what do you call it oh my gosh i'm blanking out i don't know story oh my gosh i'm Mm -hmm. a writer yeah you are there's a huge surprise (laughs) (laughs) like a twist a twist cliffhanger Uh, no it's not cliffhanger because it was technically at the end of the season it was the end of the season so it was a cliffhanger but it's it's netflix and it's a big one yeah and i was not expecting it has seen it but you hadn't. And so we would sort of try to talk about it in front of you. And I just wouldn't get it. But we couldn't. So I finished, we talked about this before, but I finished all but the last episode. And I do this thing where I save the You've finales. Said this on I know. <laughs> but it's a thing for me. I save it. Okay. So you know that I, I am like a big fan of things being special. Yeah. So like so I would never want to live in a house on the beach. Right, because the beach is special. Because the beach would lose its special. It wouldn't be special anymore if you woke up every single day and saw it. Like, you don't like listening to Christmas music except after Thanksgiving. I don't do pumpkin stuff until my birthday because it's the first day of fall. Like I, I don't like the pumpkin flavored things. Okay. You can nobody have that one. asked you. <laughs> you can have that. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. Although I'll tell you, I would take pumpkin stuff right now. It just kind of sounds comforting. Just kind of sounds comforting. Um, <laughs> but. For me, like, I wasn't emotionally ready for the season finale. I was like, I want to wait until it's, like, a time where I can really enjoy it and it won't lose its special. And so um, I watched it and I sobbed the entire time. I mean, crying is not, like, a like a foreign thing for me. I cry a lot. But I, like, sobbed and then, like, cried for a long time afterwards but also had a little spiritual existential crisis. If you've seen the finale of The Good Place, you know why. If you have not, watch it. It's on Netflix. Um, it is on Netflix. <laughs> I've watched a lot of it. I don't want to. How many how episodes did you watch this I, weekend? I don't think I want to admit that. <laughs> I. This is a safe place for you to share. I'm halfway through the second season, and I started yesterday. Oh my but the episodes are like 20 minutes, and so I just kind of some of them I just have on in the back while yeah. I. I mean, I worked almost all day yesterday trying to get some yeah. stuff done. And Although the good place, then you have to pause and go back because I know because then there's like little jokes because, or little well, things and it's, and it's kind of deep. Plot twist. Maybe that's the plot word you're twist. looking for. That's, I don't know why I couldn't say it. I will say that my favorite quote so far is, being ethical is hard and I hate it. <laughs> and I told you that should be the subtitle of my book. Oh, I didn't realize that you were quoting The Good Place. Come on. That's true. I love Chidi. I have a little crush on Chidi. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, Chidi and Janet are my two favorites. Janet is the best. I just love her. So I could talk about The Good Place <laughs> literally all day. I'm not going to because there are so many things I don't want to spoil. Um <laughs> But you definitely need to watch it, for sure. Okay, so I have a weird question. Okay. So I took communion at home today. Okay. Have you taken communion at home? Um, I think on Good Friday. Oh. It's been a while. So I had felt sort of weird about taking communion. I'm not There's nothing... I don't have any theological issues with taking it at home. I know what some... What did you use? <laughs> Wheat Thins. Nice. And Sparkling Cider. Okay. That's all I had today. 
just one wheat thin. I didn't have like a handful <laughs> of wheat thins. It's like a whole lot of the body of Christ. A whole lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> were they flavored or were they original? They were low fat. Oh. I know. Well, Christ was sort of thin, so <laughs> it all sort of makes sense. Um, but I had not taken it in the past. Again, I know that some people have like a theological issue with taking communion at home and I get it. And I'm, I'm a teach his own person. Yeah. Um, but mine wasn't theological as much as I just wasn't feeling it. Mm. Like, not that it's about me, but, but I just didn't like, I don't know. There was just something about it. And so I decided that I would, um, take communion this morning alone. And it was such an interesting experience. Like it was actually, it actually felt intimate. Like I actually mm. had like this connection with God in the moment and, I wasn't sure. I think partly I was avoiding it because I was afraid. Communion is one of my favorite parts. We're Baptists. Um, yeah. So you take communion the first Sunday of the month. And that's it. <laughs> huh? That's it? That's it. <laughs> Good Friday. Yeah. Like special. Special things. Things. Yeah. But I wouldn't be sad if we took communion every Sunday. I, I wouldn't either. I, I like that. I know some people say, well, then it gets mundane and boring and like routine. They can say that about worship. Right. And I just think it should... I mean, if you look at Jesus' teachings, I think communion in the way that he taught it and he instilled it um, should be really central to what we do. Yeah, our regular <laughs> practice. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was. I, I think part of the reason I avoided it is because I was afraid I was going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Like, it was going to be different than what I've done. Um, it was actually a really, like, amazing moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure what your experience. Yeah, I, I mean, I've... Um, I did it on Good Friday, and I think I did it maybe like in May. It was just, yeah. Um, church has been kind of weird for me during this whole season. Um, I actually remember thinking the same thing, being really hesitant about it. Mm-hmm. I happened to have grape juice in my fridge because um, our little gathering that we do once a month, I get the stuff for it, so I happen to have stuff in my fridge right. for it. Um, and then I have the little crackers from Trader Joe's. <laughs> like they have oh, like, yeah. They're like, for crackers? they're like, no, they're like oh. multi-grain ones. They're really oh, good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm allergic to them. I can't eat them. But yeah. Oh, because of the flax. No seed. communion at your house. <laughs> I also have club crackers, like on the regular, because I like <laughs> How to did just... you die? <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> um, I remember being hesitant about it, but then at the same time, um, feeling really free to like kind of pause the service mm-hmm. and take that extra time to pray and reflect and and yeah, it was a really, really good moment. Like I just felt like, you know, I think a lot of stuff we do um, in ministry and in a lot of churches is we rush from one thing to another, to another, mm. to another. Um, and so taking that time that I could just pause things, kind of go at my own pace, recite some prayers that I know, mm-hmm. um, which is really good, really life-giving. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I enjoy it. I mean... I don't love taking communion by myself because I do think there's something special about doing it corporately with the body of Christ. But at the same time, the body of Christ is everywhere. Yeah. Um, And so there's kind of that connection no matter where we're doing it or who we're doing it with. Right. Um, Yeah. I don't know that I would want to do it all the time by myself, but doing it by myself once in a while, I could see being a good thing for me. I said I didn't really want to talk about COVID too much during this podcast because I feel like freaking everything is about (sighs) COVID. But I will say there are some some ways that I feel like not being able to gather has helped me grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've said this, I think I said this two podcasts ago, but, um, you know, church is one meal. 
yeah. during the week. And it's really easy for us to say, well, got that one good meal in. And that's sort of a consumeristic um, way of viewing things sometimes. Like if you see church as my one meal um, and you're not feeding yourself at all um, throughout the week, it's very easy to go, oh, not getting enough nourishment from that one meal and not necessarily like sticking things out when they're difficult or you know, mm-hmm. when you're feeling bored with something or whatever, which we all have times where, um, yeah. yeah, like we all kind of fall into that rut, you know, well, sometimes like a series goes on for 10 weeks. And if you're already really familiar with the passage, yeah. they can feel a little, or if the passage isn't about you, like when there's a four week series on raising kids, I'm always like, yeah. what do you want me to do? Yeah. Um, but it's just helped me to be more disciplined about mm-hmm. my daily devotional life. I read a lot of books, and so sometimes in my brain, it's this false idea that I've fed myself because I read a Christian book, but yeah. I'm not necessarily in the Word studying um, the way that I wish I was. But I think that communion is something that I could put into practice in my like individual hmm. time with God. I Not all the time, like yeah. you said. Um, there's something to be said about... Um, doing it corporately with other people. Um, Rachel Hall Evans says, um, you know, the table's the great equalizer. Yeah. Um, We all come to the table broken. We all come to the table with needs. And so this idea of taking communion all as one body broken um, and in need of a savior is a very powerful thing for me. Um, But I think that it's something that I can incorporate into my... um, my regular time with God in a way that would be really healthy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, One of my favorite things about, um, I think Jonathan Martin said this, where he said, if we control the guest list, Mm -hmm. it's no longer the Lord's table. Yeah. And so I remember sitting in um, some churches, you know, I I go to different churches for for work and I just enjoy visiting other places. Um, And I remember sitting next to someone who even said like, oh, I I don't belong here, so Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take it. And I, you know, just, you know, dialogue with them a little bit. And I was like, well, you may not belong to this church body, but do you belong to the church? And they said, oh, yeah, but I don't, I don't come to church. I was like, you can take communion. Like, yeah, it's fine. And it was just this idea that people feel like they, they're excluded from it, you know. And, well, um, and if you don't know that specific church's rules about right. communion. And, and so, I happen to know this church's rules that they would they would have been fine with it. So Right. So a lot of times you'll hear a disclaimer at the beginning, like we have an open like at our church, we have an open communion. So as long as you know Christ, mm-hmm. you can partake. But if you don't, but even that is confusing for people. You have people who are like, well I believe in God. Um I don't think that there's anything wrong with partaking in communion. Um even if you're really not sure where you stand with God for that reason, because of yeah. what Jonathan Martin says about, um, and, and there's something to be said about the power of communion and, mm-hmm. and what it can do in your heart. And so I know some people that would be incredibly, I'm, I'm a heretic. Right. That's what I'm saying. I also, but, <laughs> I also think there's something to, um, I enjoy when I go to churches and you have to go up to the front and receive communion. Yeah. Um, instead of passing it down the rows, um, which I understand the passing down the yeah. rows. It's even if you have a large church, right. Um, like the one you go to and the one I go to, you know, that would take a really long time right. for everyone to come to the front. But to slow things down and just realizing that you come up to the altar, to the Lord's table with nothing. You have nothing to right. offer. Um, and he is always there so that you receive something. Well, having to get know? up out of your chair. Yeah. So what an things. act. You know, an act of like, 
I am in need of this too. And, you know, you and I, you know, we work in ministry, but, you know, if that was offered every week, I would get up and say, I am in need of this too. Every week. Yeah. yeah. Every day, you know, if that was offered. Yeah. Um, I think that there are so many things that we do in the church that are so passive. We've talked about this too um, a lot. It, so Liz and I both are part of like a young leader's um, group in our denomination, or I'm sorry, conference. I do it every time. You, you, you can, you're the one who corrects yourself. Like, I know. I don't, no, I don't, you correct me sometimes. Because after you correct yourself. <laughs> um, but one of the things that we've said um, as young people that we would like to see are shorter messages, but more ways to participate as the body with each other. So more, yeah. more time of community, more um, spiritual practices. Or even what I would really love... This is me totally going on a tangent. Donuts? <laughs> no. Um, more time, just quiet. Yeah. Contemplative, think, ref- like, reflection. Yeah, and I, and I love that. I We go from one thing to another to another to another so fast sometimes that I can't even process what just happened. Right. You know, or what was taught, or the song that we sang, or, yeah. you know, we, we feel it where it's almost like we're afraid of the quiet, where I think young people... You know, we're wanting kind of that, even if just a minute, just to go, you know, yeah. breathe for a minute, think about stuff, and then we can move on where, you know, it's just not always the way things, things well, are. Well, and it's so hard. I mean, being on the other side, and you know how this goes. Oh, yeah. You know, people don't want to sit in church for an hour and a half. People want to beat the Methodist TUJs is the big joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, people don't want that um, that same, like, like, you got to wrap things up, yeah. right? I actually don't hate the idea of, you know, it's been a tension in every church I've worked at. I've worked in a few now where, well, you got to, you know, hurry up with that message. But for me, if if a pastor's trying to preach something and he needs the extra 10 minutes, the extra 10 minutes, I'm fine with it. My bigger issue is how many things we just try to squeeze in just because we have to do them every week. Yeah. And so you could make church an hour, have a shorter message, but if you need to go longer, go longer. But you know, pare things down, um, in a way, like I don't need four songs always. I don't need, it doesn't have to be three songs and offering. It doesn't have to be, but every church falls into that same, um, And even every tension. church, there's no good place to put announcements. Right. You oh know, my gosh. No matter where you try They're to put the them. the worst. Yeah. And everyone knows it. Oh yeah. But we all sit through them every week anyway. I would say don't do announcements in church. Um, Yeah. I know. I'm the communications girl. I'm supposed to be like, we need everything announced and everything. (laughs) Honestly, we have bulletins every week. So I'm like, leave the worship service worship. And I would be fine with not having announcements. I want to hear from our missionaries. I want to hear the good work that they're doing. Um, I want to have time to pray with one another. I want to have that quiet time. Um, But we rush through it so much because church, in a lot of ways, just ends up sort of being another thing. Mm -hmm. And... That's so unfortunate. Yeah. You know? One thing, um, I've said this a few times this week. One of the things that I've really loved about this time of COVID, if there's something to love, is not <laughs> is the pressure to not have to get up and go to church every week. Yeah. But I've had time to really strengthen parts of my faith that were really weak. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had time to, like I said, read a little bit extra, listen to podcasts that, yeah. you know, um, and I love my church. Um and I I do miss like meeting with them even of today course, you know yeah. we do we do church outside on the lawn um, to to try to comply with COVID regulations um, but I've missed being around them and I think that's been a really good thing for 
for me too, where, where it was becoming such a routine of going to church that I was just kind of going through the motions. But since we've had this huge separation that, you know, I miss my people. I miss the small group that I have. You know, we can't even meet at Starbucks right now. <laughs> no. Um, but even texting with them this week and kind of getting ready to, to launch into a new study, you know, it's exciting. You know, yeah. It's fun. I think that... Invited a new member today into my group, which is really fun. Kind of spur of the moment. It was like, oh, why don't you come? I was in my pajamas. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing church. Um, I run the online services. Yeah. Um, And we have church on the lawn here, but because I'm immunocompromised, I'm trying to be careful and not accidentally get myself sick. Um, How would I? I feel like people take the local church for granted a lot. Mm -hmm. And during this time, my hope and prayer is that people realize what a gift it is that we're actually able to gather. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about things. Now, I'm going to clarify this to, be, to start with. I don't believe that what we're dealing with is persecution. I don't think we're being persecuted for our faith, which is what real persecution is. Having restrictions because of the pandemic is not the same as persecution. I firmly believe that. Um, but... You know, we talk about our brothers and sisters in other countries who have been persecuted for their faith um, without really ever being able to empathize with how it is to not be able to gather. This isn't the same thing, but I really hope that people understand, like, you know, persecution isn't, like, we're not guaranteed anything. You can say that, you know, we're allowed to assemble based on the Constitution. You can say all the things, but gosh, we've seen bad governments yeah. All over the place. We Nothing's guaranteed. Um, and so what an honor and blessing it is that we get to gather together. Um, yeah. So during this time where we don't, I hope that when we come back and we're able to gather, that people realize um, how important the community of God yeah. is and how fortunate we are mm-hmm. that we can gather and not be in fear of um, being known. And I really think that the reason why the church is growing in places like China it's because they're not allowed to meet, and it creates this different kind of hunger. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, like I said, you know, not not being able to go to church was kind of a huge blessing because my my schedule was just getting really busy. Yeah. But even the last couple of weeks, when I've been able to go, um, you know, and just see people and see people that have been so um, important in my spiritual walk who have mentored me who you know being able to see them and connect with them even if it's you know six feet apart whatever wearing a mask um there's something special about that and I think that was one of the parts that I was taking for granted in the local church was oh well they'll be there next week I don't need to go but then it was all of a sudden oh they're not there yeah (laughs) I'm not there um so going today was just really great for me yeah I mean I had that experience in a different way you know years ago um, I took Greek with um, a coworker. I worked at a private Christian school. This coworker had been the principal of the school at one point and was now the janitor because he developed epilepsy and couldn't teach anymore. Mm-hmm. So he went from running the school to being the janitor and just one of the most kind, humble people you know, but also just so smart. And so he knew yeah. Greek and he tutored me in Greek. And um, like I spent a lot of time with him. Because he couldn't drive. And so he would say, hey, Sarah, would you mind taking me to the store? Blah, blah, blah. And I would, like, drive him around and stuff. And just a man full of so much wisdom. I don't cry at funerals. Like, that's sort of a thing for me is I generally, like, I don't know why that is. I cry every other time. But for whatever reason, at funerals, I get randomly stoic. Um, 
but he was on a lift and had a seizure and fell off oh, and no. died. And just suddenly, um, and I hadn't spent very much time with him. And, um, like, you know, the months leading up to that, there were some things going on in my life. And um, I went to his funeral, and I, it's the only funeral I've ever, like, sobbed through. And I just think, again, like, like I won't lie, my introvert has not hated um, <laughs> not meeting every single week. There's a part of me that um, has taken a little breath. Yeah. Um, but I want to see people. Yeah. You know, I want to see those, the older saints in our church who have paved the way for mm-hmm. us. I uh, particularly, you know, I go to a church where there are, are a lot of strong women yeah. um, who have paved the way for um, women to be leaders in the church. And I just respect them so much. And I mm-hmm. miss that. Yeah. And Even so, like for me today, I'm one of those ladies, you know, an older lady who has been a huge um, gift to my life. She uh, has made masks for our kids for when they do distance learning. She made 30 of them, you know. And so she gave them to me today. She was all excited to give them to me. And, man, it was just fun to see her. So, yeah, I mean, just a few things like that, you know, that, yeah, I could have gone and picked them up from her house and it would have been fine. But, I don't know, there was something special about the handoff of masks at church that was like, oh. Yeah. I miss this. Yeah. So we'll see what happens in the coming months I don't know what any of this looks like I don't either but yeah I don't know I'm I'm trying to figure out better ways to like reach out to people um I'm not always good at that (laughs) but I realized today somebody wrote me on social and I hadn't seen them there um my friend April's daughter had cancer um and they were in isolation for months and months before COVID hit so I haven't seen them in probably 10 months um, and just today she wrote me and I was like, oh, I like need to figure out a way to yeah, connect. And so as always, I just kind of feel like all of these, op- like all of these situations are opportunities and I just hope we're not missing it. Like, I just yeah. don't want to miss the opportunities that lie. Now I won't say like, some people are like, God gave us this time as an opportunity. I don't think that God gave 200,000 people COVID, um, you know, like, right. like to die of COVID so that way we would be more spiritually whatever. But I will say that whatever situation we're in, it's so easy to just waste it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, this chair squeaks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think maybe we've missed some of those opportunities early on because we didn't know what was going on. Right. And we're all kind of thrown into this whirlwind. But I think now, um, I'm hoping at least for myself, praying this for myself, is that my... I like, like my Holy Spirit antennas or whatever, like the mm, spidey sense yeah. around me, that I am just more attuned with what I'm supposed to be doing. Almost like, you know that feeling when you walk into a room and you can feel the tension? Mm, like, yeah. like ooh, what's going on? Like that, except like when you walk into a room, you're just prompted to do certain things yeah. or to see certain people or to talk to certain people. That happened today, I mean, at church, my mom had gone to the bathroom. <laughs> and so I had all of her stuff. And she was taking a really long time. And then I saw that she was talking with some people mm-hmm. across the lawn. So I grabbed her stuff and I walked over there. And there was a friend of mine, two friends of mine. Um, one of them has had kind of a rough faith journey um, and is kind of coming back to church. And she just asked how she could get involved with mm-hmm. what we're doing with these distance learning centers. And I just felt prompted to be like, hey, we have this like super secret Sunday school group that I've announced on this podcast multiple <laughs> times. <laughs> um would you want to join? I mean, it's really low key. There's yeah. like five of us in it. And 
um, really we just, we kind of go through a study, but we mostly talk with each other and pray for each other. Um, would you be interested? And I, I, I got in the car with my mom and I was like, was that okay that I invited her? I mean, it was kind of yeah. off the cuff and she was like, I was hoping you would. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, okay, good. Cause it just felt like in that moment while I'm talking to her, I was just supposed to do this. So I'm hoping for more things like that, that just, while I'm talking to someone, I just know that I'm supposed to say this yeah. or do this or. Well, I felt that way more than I normally do when I'm at church on Sundays because on Sunday mornings I'm so busy right like I'm running around the whole time yeah and I and sometimes Sunday mornings or a lot of times for you can feel like work instead of like well they are it is work right yeah yeah yeah, times where it is work and then times when it feels like work yeah like I can show up here now I love what I do right so like I love doing like all the stuff for next step classes I love doing like our membership stuff I love you know, talking to people and helping get people the information that they need. Like, it's it's very fulfilling for me. Yeah. But there are times where, you know, someone has, like, someone needs prayer. And I'm the one in the lobby last before walking into church. And I'm going to stop and pray for them. And they're going to tell me their life story. And I'm not going to cut them off. Because um, I think there's something really sacred about those moments. Mm-hmm. But I miss church. Yeah. And sometimes that happens multiple weeks in a row. And I start to feel like, oh, like... I, mm-hmm. again, not that, I mean, church is one meal, but you start to feel like you show up on Sunday and you've worked the whole time and you leave feeling empty. Now, again, yeah. I wouldn't trade those moments. I think that those are God ordained mm-hmm. um, and I want to do that. Um, but it makes me sometimes view people as more of a task yeah. than as people. And I never want people to get that impression or for me to ever mm-hmm. um, try to rush through. Or, yeah. or treat somebody like they're just another thing that I had to do on Sunday. Um, but being at home, like, I see s- stuff that people post on social media. Yeah. And I'll, like, reach out to them because I know. Like, mm-hmm. all right, this person posted this and it might not be anything. Um, they might just need a hello. They might be, like, going through something and just need, like, a friend to talk. But sometimes yeah. I feel so strongly, like, I can't sleep. Like, like... I could see something that someone tweeted who I sort of know or whatever and like try to go to bed and like, nope, I have to like, I have to do something. I have to write them. Like I feel these prompts, but I feel like slowing down a little bit now. I've been way more sensitive to those things. Um, Just way more sensitive to people who need friends, able to have conversations with people that are deeper because I'm not rushing through them. Um, And I don't know how to carry that on when things start to get busy again. But I want that to be um, just an ideal in my life. Well, I think, too, oh, I'm going for almost an hour, but we'll keep going with this. <laughs> I like this conversation. Um, the, I think we'll just have to prioritize those things. Right. You know, it's all of us, I think, our, our lives shifted so rapidly um, that we've been able to kind of slow down and assess, like, what are the things that are, what are um, the important things? Yeah. What are the things that that I need to keep doing? What are the things that I can kind of let go of? You know, these right. things or these expectations that I've put on myself that no one else has put on me. Um, and can I take that and then, you know, change that to something different? Right. Um, so I think with churches, you know, we've had a time with this whole thing um, to really assess what we're doing. And when we are able to go back to whatever the new normal is, um, I hope that we change so that our priorities are different, um, that we're seeing kind of those things, you know, in the church body, like, oh, we really need to prioritize these things. Right. And these things that we were prioritizing aren't that important 
in the big picture. Um, so I'm really, I'm for me, that's exciting to see kind of the yeah. church rebuild itself. Um, my biggest fear is that it will go back to normal. Yeah, same. Or we'll go back to the same old, same old, realizing that we can't. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much of the unknown right now. Yeah. And it's easy for me to lean out mm-hmm. <laughs> and say, oh, no, oh, no, what's this going to look like? But I really want to be a person who leans in and says, okay, like, let's see how this goes and yeah. not fear whatever um, this next thing looks like. I, you know, I go to counseling regularly. One thing that I work on in counseling a lot is anxiety. Um about the future. So what's this going to look like? What's this? I mean, So this has been a really good year for you then. Uh, <laughs> I mean, counseling is awesome. Honestly, like yeah. what would I do if I didn't have it? Um, but one thing that my, my therapist has said a lot is like, you know, there's a reason why we have to go through these next 30 days before you get to the 31st. It's because you're building up your muscles for that. You know, we, we can think about what's going to happen on this specific day or that specific day, but we need the days leading up to that. And so, you know, how do I feel about today? I feel fine about today. Why do I feel fine about today? Because I'm in it. I yeah. can't do anything about it. I can't stop it. But 30 days from now, I'm like, oh, what's everything going to look like? And what's church yeah. going to look like? And what are we going to do? Maybe this next 29 days is me building up the muscles because when that day comes, I'm going to be able to deal with it and it's going to be just fine. Yeah. Um, and that's really helped sort of center um, how I think about the future. I mean, I see a therapist who is not a Christian. Um, and so I have to sort of do the spiritual work, um, with those things. But I think, gosh, God's given us the tools to, to manage, um, this stuff and not, um, not fear the future. And so I'm just going to take it in stride one day at a time and see what happens because tomorrow might be really scary, but I'm going to wake up tomorrow yeah. And I'm not going to be afraid probably all day. I'm going to say, all right, well, this day is what it is. And so um, I just hope that you're right and that some things change and that we realize that the way that we engage with the world has to be mm-hmm. um, different. And I think even bringing that down to a different level. I mean, it's easy for us to say, you know, oh, the church needs to change. Well, we're part of it. needs to change. But really changing it to what are things that I need to change. Yeah. And um, that's kind of where I've landed this week just as we're looking at some things are reopening, kind of, some things are not at all. And going, well, how can I, as one person, what are things that I need to change to be a better example so that these places that are not being reached can be reached? Right. Um, how can I be flexible and adapt to yeah. this? You know, because if, if we, I think if we all do that, then we'll see a, a big shift. But we can't expect other things right. to change. And there has to be a collective movement. Right. You know, this right. is not an individual this organization needs to do this or these people need to do this. It's easy to say that from the outside. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But it's me as much as it's anyone. Um, How am I going to make these changes? How am I going to be flexible in my ministry areas? How am I going to, um, you know, for me doing church online and stuff is my, like that's been my job, but now we're going to keep doing this probably forever. So coming up with long-term strategies and and figuring out the right way, um, to do things because I don't want to just go through the motions on my, you know, like what God's given me. I want to be a good steward 
of those things. And so, yeah, I think we all have just a lot to think about, especially if you're in ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't envy pastors right now who are like, do we open, oh, yeah. do we not open? Do we make people wear masks? Do we not? I mean, there's so much like craziness, but, but I do think that we just all have to do what we think is the right thing and move on, have grace for each other and find the joy as Rabbi would we say. We just need to find the joy. It's <laughs> Proverbs 31 women. Well, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> or just figure out what kind of pizza topping preferences people have on That's a form. <laughs> anyway, this has been a really good talk. Yeah. It got <laughs> We did not talk about worship. We're really. gonna talk about worship, but that's okay because our podcast is a real conversation. Just like we would have if we were eating sushi, which I wish we were. Or at Chili's. Oh, I miss Chili's. Chili's to go is just not I the just same. I just want chips and salsa. So much. Yeah. But that's all right. All right. As always, it's good to have these conversations with you, <laughs> even if they get deep and crazy and we go on 600 tangents. It's all right. That's for you, Jeremiah, who always makes fun of my tangents. So, <laughs> all, right. all right. See you next time. Bye.